Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Bless you all. You may take a seat. Thank you very much to my always fabulous band. Give the Lord a praise offering for these people. If I sometimes see and I go around in churches around the world, from New Zealand to the United States, to the Far East, to the Far West, to the continents of the world we've been. And if I see how some of the churches, I feel so sorry for them, battle with music. Look at what God has given us here, and I say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Just thank you, Lord Jesus. It's been a dream, and it's been something I really wanted. These men walking off there, they are really brilliant. Can you say amen? All right. Um, before I pray over the word of the Lord, we begin the service just to say to you that I started the series on the creation of God. Literally, from the beginning of creation, we take in from eternity past and so on and so forth. We did that Wednesday and we uh, got some sort of a foundation laid, albeit not complete. This week we take all of the eternities, we plug it straight into the Bible and then outrolls all the things that happen on earth and it'll finally go through to the new heavens and the new earth. It's a series, so the first of that part of that series is now on and the Bible school is not the church, it is a company on its own. It's a Bible school and so it's a section 21 company and they exist uh, and therefore what we do is we take up an offering, basically a registration fee for 350 rand, and that helps them also with the income of the Bible school. So many things we want to do for our God, so God, I believe, will help us to do it for Him. Can you say amen? And may God bless you and may God be with you in this day. Heavenly Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus, please stir up again, I ask you, the Spirit of God upon me and within me, the Word of the Lord upon me and within me and through me. May your Word be quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. We shall not compromise on the Word of God. We shall speak the Word of truth. We shall do so in the fear of the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that the Word of God, unadulterated, unadulterated and uncompromised, Lord always causes a shaking but we will know the truth and the truth will set mankind free. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to begin today to talk. I have a theme here behind me. Is it not obvious? So we'll go from there and um, we'll take the road, the straight and narrow road with the help of the Lord. And we go to Isaiah chapter number six and verse number one. Uh, and there are prime verses involved here, but I'll read it from the beginning of uh, the chapter. I catch the king Uzziah. Uzziah obviously is uh, part of the word Uzi, is the root of that. Uzi means uh, strength of man or arm strength or the flesh of the strength of a man. Uh, there's a man called Uzi that tried to catch the Ark of the Covenant on a cart as King David brought it to Jerusalem to stabilize the Ark of the Covenant. When he touched it, he died. His name was Uzi. And uh, that means human strength. And God judged that immediately. You don't touch that which, is, which you've not been given permission to even handle. So here in the Bible, in the year that King Uzziah died, 
Again, Isaiah 6 verse 8. In the, key, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, Adonai Tsevaot. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live cold, with which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Indeed, so it was. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying this Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Pay attention to this. Go tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull and their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste. Until the cities are laid waste without inhabitant. The houses are without a man. The land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away and the forsaken, the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. How long, Lord, until the cities are laid waste and without an inhabitant? Because when people disobey God, a nation gets into trouble. A curse comes upon the land. And it takes us now to this here where in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, chapter number 3, verse 17, we again read here this portion of Scripture. Though the fig tree may not blossom, 
nor fruit be on the vines. Though the labor of the olive tree may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. From the prophet Habakkuk. The Bible is very clear that when people disobey God, they want the blessing, but they do not want the obedience to this book here, the Word of God. Now, I've walked around, must be a good month with this message in my heart. And every time I want to preach it, then I hold back. And it would be like saying, Lord, now, like he said there, then I said, how long, Lord? I waited. But now I'm released. So in order to do that, I want to tell you a little story. And I want to begin by using this example, which can be applied individually by everybody, including me, and it can be applied to the nation, even our nation of South Africa, and all the nations of the world for that matter. Um, so what I want to do is just tell you a little story, and then this little story serves to illustrate something which I want to get to. So I was born 76 years ago, in what was then a young suburb on the western side of Johannesburg called Mayfair in those days. And um, I know exactly where it was. And since then, of course, now the whole thing has changed so much you can hardly recognize the place. But 76 years ago, it was a young place. And there my parents lived. Now my parents had four daughters, of which one died before I was even born, and then three remained. Moreover, they were at the end of four, and my mother had problems, women problems of sort, whatever, and the doctor said, you've come to the end of your birth cycle, you can't have any more children, because if you have any more children, you would risk your life, you could die. Then she wept before the Lord, and she and my father, they were godly people. If I say godly, I mean exactly what I say. I grew up in a house where as a schoolboy, I used to sit my study table here. Look out, there's a back window where I looked out. They had the front window, but there was an opening through there. And I'd turn around and I would see my parents every single night at the foot end of the bed, bow over the bed, and then they would pray together. And they would pray for some time. I'd look and i see, no, they're still busy praying. The two of them there. Well, my mother prayed. And she said, Lord, my father and her really wanted to have a son. And she said, Lord, if by any means make it possible that I have a son, if I have a son, I will then give him to you and he must be your servant. Then she had a vision, and in the vision, because she 
had visions. A strange thing like this was she had regular visions. She prayed a lot. She's always in prayer. She had these regular visions, and then she would see things, they would happen. That, the moment I got filled with the Holy Spirit, started serving God, those visions stopped and started with me. So I've since seen many of those. But she had a vision. She saw me as an adult man with a Bible under my arm, and I'm going to be preaching the Word. And she knew that a boy would be born, and she knew that he would become a preacher. That's now me. So she fell pregnant. And the doctors then went and counseled with her and said, not so, we have to take this child away because this is at a danger of your life. You will very possibly die because there's too much damage as it is and you just can't after four daughters. She said, I will have this child. You will not take this child away. I've seen him and he will be born. The birth shall be normal. She said to the doctors with my father, well, I was born. No complications, natural birth. She never suffered after that. Then as a child, I grew up in a situation where when I was about that tall and I could walk, my father would take me to church all the time. When I was 16, I already was a Sunday school teacher. The years would come and go, and she would look at me, but she taught me to pray, and I could read the Bible from very early age. Never really been a problem, but okay, so the Lord helped me there. And she would always watch me praying, and she would watch me, in latter years particularly, how I always had the Bible and the marker always shifted forward. But here is the point, that particularly when I would pray, i just tell you for the information of it, because I don't often talk about it, that she would see a light shine around me. And if I pray, it gets brighter, brighter, brighter. The longer I pray, the brighter this light. Then she'd be scared of me. That's the truth. I lie not, I speak before God. I'm a servant of the Lord. So she was scared when that happened and she saw that. I would go to church. And if I would see a godly person in the church, on the platform, in the pulpit, in the church, I as a child, I mean I'm talking as a baby, I would look at that man, the minister, and when he, he becomes intense about the Word of God, I would see a light shine around him. And it, it was to me so strange to see this light around people. When the Holy Spirit would captivate people and take hold of them and inspire them, I could see that light. And it was just an amazing thing, so very beautiful. So I grew up under these circumstances. In the rest of what is life, and I'll, I'll abbreviate the story, in the rest that followed, in all of the days of my life, I had the fear of the Lord. Listen very carefully. I had the fear of the Lord, and God would never let go of that with me. Secondly, I found that whatever I did in this life, I'm now 76. I stand here in good health in front of you. And whatever I touched in this life turned into success. It just happened like that way. 
God was with me under all circumstances. Yes, I sometimes had difficulties, but they seemed to fade away quick. Soon I would forget about that. Soon I wouldn't even know about it. Wherever I've gone, I would be very aware of the fact that I'm protected. I'd be very aware of the fact that somehow when people were frightened of things, I never had fear, even as a child. Never knew what fear now is supposed to be. Never knew that. But I knew that whatever I touched turned out to be a success. Today I stand before you and I have a message for you. I saw how God blessed us through the years. Unbelievable. He just blessed us. We would pray and get answers. We would do all kinds of things. But particularly, once we got married, and we both made a commitment to God as one, our marriage took on a complete new dimension. The marriage that was now full of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus, of a covenant couple that believed in God, this marriage solidified in ways I can't describe. We also found that there was a holiness. Maud and I would take turns at prayer. She would pray, we'd pray together, then I would pray, then she would pray. I would walk to where she has her study and I would see that she sits behind the Bible and she's praying. Sometimes I walk around, she doesn't know I'm coming. I'd quietly come up behind her and I would find out that she's busy praying. She's busy talking to God. Then she comes in and I don't hear that she's coming in and she does the same to me and I'm talking to God. The door opens, Maud's there, I'm busy praying. So in all of these years, we had success. I would say today that I would, with grateful heart, give thanks and glory to the Lord God for what He has done. Now, having said that, people want the blessing. I, I, used, to think, I used to think that God has done this to me so that I can help other people. I really thought that for a long period of time. He used to say that God has blessed me so that I can help people. We never sought the things of this world. I didn't even want to handle money. In fact, I still don't handle money. In fact, credit cards, all these things, I have to be refreshed every time I even go near one of those tall machines. I don't know how that thing even works because I cut off from money. I'm a man of God. So you could not buy me with that. And so I looked at life in general. I'm going to see a, a, a picture. Here God is blessing me. Why is he blessing me? Because I have worn out Bible after Bible in these years. I have lived in this word. I have memorized this word to a very large extent. I have even become stronger in quoting the word in Afrikaans than in English. I've lived this word and I've applied this word. And I began to realize that people are wanting the blessing without the obedience to this book. They are wanting that God would prosper them and they would be then in health even as their soul prospers, but yet it is not properly working out. You cannot have the blessing if you stay in disobedience. That counts for every single soul on the planet. You have to obey God. 
I began to read the Bible and I began to see how, particularly in the book of Judges, you know, the people read the Bible in a year. I've gone through Judges already and I'm further on. I'm with, busy with the kings at the moment. But uh, I, would, I would see in those Judges how Israel would depart from God. Then they would cry out to the Lord and that God would have mercy on them. Sometimes God could not bear it that they're suffering so much and He would send them somebody to deliver them like Samson, like Gideon, like Jephthah and so on and so forth. We see that these judges lived there and every time a judge dies, they turn away from God again. And so the blessing would then leave them and they would struggle and they would have people invading their lives. Everything goes wrong. Moreover, a strange thing happened to me. And that is that as I respected this book here, the Bible, as I respected the ministers of my church as I was a schoolboy, school child, when I opened my eyes and I was in church, I remember exactly the spot where I sat I remember exactly the spot where I was in Sunday school even. I can tell you in detail. But then I found out that the Bible tells me something. It tells me that the fear of the Lord would come upon people. Now, the prophet Samuel went to the city of Bethlehem. He would go in there. And he would leave behind a young king that's now anointed by the name of King David. Samuel the prophet sat there. And the Bible says the city of Bethlehem was in fear. They, they trembled because of the prophet of God that arrived. Now these things, as a child, I already read that. So when I came to the place where I now responded to be trained up for ministry. And I was going through all of that. I still carried with me the fear of the Lord and the respect for these great men of God. And let me tell you now, a lot of these men, most of them actually, that went before me, they've all died now. It's a whole generation that's gone. I'm not young either anymore. But I've seen that whole generation just go away. And uh, I remember that in those early years, like when Samuel the prophet came in there, you're not going to sit there with Samuel the prophet and discuss the rugby score. Might as well say amen. You're not going to sit there and talk about Volkswagen versus Toyota. You're not going to do that sort of thing. There's a prophet in town. And you'd watch out what you do. In fact, I was very, I was, I'll talk straight and I'll say it in Afrikaans and English. Ek was bang with certain men of God, like Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, all these men of God that were men of the Word. They live the Word. They speak the Word. They live by faith. You think of Smith Wigglesworth, these men, powerful men of God. I was too scared, and I'll use that word, to even go and sit with him and motor mouth or just blabber. Lest I would say something that is straight, forgive me for saying this, straight stupid, and I'm, I would be very embarrassed afterwards and I make a fool of myself in the process. I wouldn't do that. I just wouldn't do that. When those men walked in, when I met any of them, Morris Sorello, Kim Clement, I was with all of them. Morris Sorello, Kim Clement, Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, I, was, I, I saw all these men. But when they came, I shut. 
I didn't say a word. I just kept quiet. I would watch them. I would listen, see how they lived, look at their outcome, look at their devotion, wanted to study their prayer life. I would get in the midst of the leaders of the whole Pentecostal movement just now, the previous generation has just gone by. There's some of the people here that are older that know what I'm talking about. I would watch them. I would read their autobiographies. I would study the way they pray. I would watch every move they made because I wanted desperately to learn how come God was so powerful and moved so powerfully through their lives. Kenneth Hagin would stand up and say a word and it would come to pass. Say another word, come to pass. He had a strong, very powerful prophetic anointing. And I would look at this and I would think, Lord, where am I in all of this? And when I got close to them, the whole lot of them, I would just, just go quiet. Because adult might just say something and they'd just give me a look like that. And I'd feel that size. So I didn't do that. The easiest one of the lot actually to get along with in that respect was the evangelist Reinhard Bonker. He would always say, hello, Harold, you know, how are you, my young friend, you know, like Reinhard used to speak. Today, there's going to be a big church service tonight. We're having a crusade. Will you come pray for me? Reinhard Bonker. He was the one, but when he had his combined harvester of 22,000 people, seater next to Soweto, I was in a caravan doing intercession for him all the way through that service. Thousands of people all the way through that service. I was praying there. Few people. We were about three people of us, three of us. We were the intercessors that took on the forces of darkness all the time, right there by the city of Soweto, just on the side of it, where he had this huge tent, massive, massive evangelist. But... I looked at him, and I looked at his obedience. I looked at many of these men, and I saw their self-control. I wanted to know what was the key of their lives. I studied them. I got hold of every tape, every book. I watched a lot of them. I forever was into it because I wanted to know what I read from the Bible, and if I can put that together with what I see in these men, that would be something for me. And that would be applicable in the future. I could use these things in the future. I am astounded that people in general, in any, any situation, any nations, want the blessing, but they don't want the obedience. They go on. The word Sunday means very little for them. Or to them, should I say. If you say Sunday or you say the day of the Lord, they would say, well, you know, we've got, we've got a bride there. We're going to sit. Sister Betty is coming over and uh, uh, John is coming over and Jackie's coming over. We're going to sit there. We're just going to have, we're going to all sit and look at each other and find something to talk about. Sunday is the day of the Lord. Just like that. Give the Lord a praise offering. you. I found in my heart that people started twisting the Word of God. And in the generation in which we now live, they twist the Word of God. They want a blessing over their lives. 
Then from that perspective, now put all of that together and we come to this conclusion. People would come to me and say, Pastor Harold, you know what? I've got this and the other and another and my business and, and you know what? In my business, I need to, you know, you know, what do you think I should be doing? Then I would tell them and I would feel the Spirit of God come upon me suddenly and I would have that absolute straight information. Don't do that or do that or do this. And while I'm talking to them, the Holy Spirit says they're not going to listen to you. Then I see calamity. Calamity and calamity and calamity. And you wonder why it is that they even bother to come for advice. If they do then come for advice, why they don't do what you tell? More than I can tell you stories. Listen to me. If it keeps on going wrong, if it keeps on mishap after mishap after whatever the case may be and it's this and then this breaks and that there's a crisis then the children then then the parents then then the marriage then this if it keeps on going wrong isn't it obvious that God tries to get our attention isn't it obvious that we should turn back to the Lord our God and we shall then and only then if we really turn back, prosper and be in health, even as our souls prosper. Give the Lord a praise offering for that. Hallelujah. In the midst of that, we live in a country. We live in a nation. I would now say purposely here, because I want to say it, the nations of the world. We know, I can tell you a lot of things about the nation of the world and we can get into a prophetic analysis of that. But let me say this to you. They are in turmoil. People are talking about the nations outside of South Africa. They go to Australia, they go to America, they go to Europe, and then you get the feedback and they are not happy about that. They talk about it. They talk about it all the time. And then they say, we want to come back. In fact, this Friday, somebody phoned me and said, you know what? I don't want to go and live overseas anymore. I've now got a house there, but I don't want to live there. No, I had a different idea. My wife and I was highly inspired. My wife was so excited that we would go and start a new life there. Now I'm here in South Africa, and I don't want that. Thank you very much. This country is still the best in the world. Believe me, believe me. However, if this country, like an individual human being, if this country allows the ungodly to take over, allows perversion to take over, if this country, the Bible says and tells us very clearly, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah will be like the days of the end before the coming of God. When the Lord comes from the clouds. When the Lord Jesus returns. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 23. When the Lord returns on that day that He comes to fetch the church. When He comes, what will He find? He says, will He find faith in the earth? The point is, Jesus has to be in control of this nation in order to sort everything for us out. Everybody say Jesus. If Jesus is Lord of South Africa, then everything will sort itself out in so many, many ways. But now in the meantime, we hear crime, we hear corruption, 
we hear people being attacked. We hear about women being raped. We hear about gender violence. We also hear about economic turmoil. We hear also about, well, we all know about the potholes. We know about the, the, the water pipes in some cases that are not working and there's no water in the taps. We also know about the power crisis in the nation. We know all these things. But if they do not bring the Lord of glory to the throne over this nation, then the writing is on the wall. However, change will come suddenly in the land and will take place and surprise many in the days to come. Is that not so? It draws near. It draws near. It draws near. God will change the country. And believe me now, if I say to you, I'm not a politician. I've never tried to figure out anything about politics. Because what I do know is this. I'm a man of God. I have the Holy Spirit. I have the mind of Christ. That's all. I have the Word of God, and I know what the Word says. The Word of the Lord tells you very clearly that the land is laid waste when people are in disobedient, disobedience. But when they turn to the Lord, He hears from heaven and He helps the people. We are sitting here in this country. I am amazed. I walk between all the peoples of this country, and I love them and they love me wherever I go. It's amazing. The fact is, I see so much potential. And I see that the day that comes, if we all take hands and say, yes, we work together, this country will change. But moreover, the most important of all, Jesus Christ must be brought back. God Almighty must be honored in this country. This country. Because if we make a covenant with death, and we follow the leaders of nations who are themselves on their way to perdition. If we follow what is wrong, we cannot expect the blessing. But if we obey God, He will bless the nation. He will bless the land. He will give everything that we want. Because South Africa is not only a beautiful country, but there are beautiful people in this country. I have walked with them all the way, all the way from Cape Town to the north, to the south, to the east, to the cities of this country. We have, we have fed millions of meals out to children. But now, if we do not serve God, and we can't expect a blessing of God upon that which is wrong. In this country, we have situations, and it's a thing that comes from overseas. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Word says, it is written, from the beginning, He made them Men and women. The man shall leave his father and his mother. He shall cling to his wife. Man shall leave his father and his mother, and they shall cling to his wife. He did not make them a man with a woman's body or a woman with a man's body, or a brain of a woman in a man or a brain of a man in a woman. Never made it that way. How many of you believe God is perfect? How many of you believe that God created you in His image and His likeness? Raise your hands if you believe that. Do you think the living God is confused about those things? So let me say this today. We as the children of God, sometimes evil goes on across nations if the righteous keep quiet. 
But we cannot accept that which God says is wrong. Do you know how bad that is? It is if God creates a man and he creates a woman and we want to make it something else. Why is it blasphemy? It's blasphemy because you are created in his image and in his likeness. So if you pervert that, you are offending the creator. That's just like it is. And so therefore, what we say is this. Can we expect the blessing if we do the wrong thing? If you bring, the Bible says if you bring the accursed thing into your house, you shall not bring, let me quote, you shall not bring the accursed thing into your house lest you and all your house become accursed. You just don't do that. Because if I bring a thing like Achan at the time of Jericho, the falling of the walls of Jericho, he stole some of the stuff which were to go to God. And Achan was stoned, and he's the only case in the Bible where we know that a person actually was burnt. His body was placed there. They stoned him to death with his family because they lost the war. 30,000 soldiers lost their lives because of one person in the camp. His name was Achan. So they stoned him with all his family, then put all their stuff together, set them alight, and put a huge stone of rock, uh, a pile of stones over them at the city of Bethel because of that thing. That's the only case where we find that such a thing did take place, where God looked down from heaven and he was angry because the people of what they've done, and he had compromised and he had stolen from the house of the Lord that which is of the treasury of God. It was destined for the treasury of the Lord. If we compromise with the word of God, bitter becomes sweet, sweet becomes bitter. Are you listening to me? There's a thing that I need to, you know, maybe just spend a minute on this and then we close with that. And that is if we can find it here in uh, the book of 2 Corinthians 10, would you go there? And I'll show you something. There it says, in verse number three, 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, we're on earth, we're in a battle zone, and the devil is around. The enemy has never been human beings. Never. Never been human beings. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, the word stronghold, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. Strongholds. Casting down arguments. Remember the word arguments. Okay? Some form of, of reasoning, empty reasoning, vain imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There are things that become strongholds, they become strongholds in a person's mind and that mind or that soul becomes intoxicated. Now, here in the, this is the Spiritful Life Bible and here is a little thing here called Kingdom Dynamics. It talks about the strongholds and it talks about deliverance from strongholds and it says every high thing and every argument, he says, behind every lie is fear. And behind every fear is an idol. Behind every lie, there's fear. And behind every fear, there's an idol. Some tell lies to themselves. Some make up 
things in their mind which are, they're just not, they're just not the truth. And they live that, but it's not according to the Word of God. If you live according to the Word of God, God blesses you. If you don't live according to the Word of God, He does not bless. God will not bless that which is cursed. God will bless you if you obey. In fact, I was thinking, I didn't mention the first service there. In the book of Isaiah, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the fat of the land. But you can be willing and obedient. If you deny the truth, then you'd be in trouble. If you practice a lie, the Bible says, some having twisted the word of God to their own destruction. If you twist the word of God, we are now at the time of the end. The Bible talks about the fact that it'll be like the days of Noah. It'll be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think about that and read about that and see what they did there. If we allow unrighteousness, uncleanness, ungodliness, unscriptural behavior to become the normal of the modern world in our lives, we cannot say to ourselves, well, you know, we're living in the year 2023 now. You know that those days were far, far beyond when God gave these scriptures to the early fathers and he, you know, and he worked with the prophets and the apostles and the pastors and the teachers of the early church and so on. Now we've moved on. We're here in the year of 2023. I heard a man of God say that. Now, we've got to adapt to the fashions of the world. No, the fashions of the world will come to naught. They will fade out. They'll go away. But God and the Word of the Lord endures forever. Can you give the Lord a praise offering? Today I say to you, like Paul would say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you commit your life uncompromising to the Lord, that you commit your heart to Him. Remember the day of the Lord. Remember to love your fellow man as yourself. Remember this, there is, a, there is a scourge in this nation. It is so bad, it is a curse. It should never have happened. It's a thing that does not exist. No, not in the kingdom of God. It's called apartheid, racism. That doctrine, that thing caused so much damage. Where would this country have been if it wasn't for that nonsense? It does not exist in the kingdom of God, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here, we are loving one another. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, all that is within you, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. I see potential in every direction that I take. I talk to people wherever I go. If I go to a restaurant, I speak to the waiters. If I go, any person I come into contact with, first thing I want to know is, what's your name? And I would normally take their name and convert it into Hebrew and tell them the power of their own name. Then I would say to them, Jesus loves you. Are you a Christian? They would say to me, yes, I am a Christian. Then I say, well, you know, today God's going to bless you because your name says the following concerning you. And you will be blessed. And just yesterday, I ran into a young man and I said to that young man, Friday actually, just to be more precise. I said to him, you're a leader. You're going to lead. You're going to the top. You have all the potential. Now take that potential and move along with it because God will be with you because you are a child of God. Around us, we are surrounded with people that just say, please just love me. People around us just say, the one thing the world cannot do is to love us. But we can love all mankind 
because Jesus loved all mankind. And I want to be like Jesus. And I love all of you as much as I can. And you should love all around you as much as you can. Be a child of God. Stand to your feet. Let's give the Lord a proper praise offering right now. Come on, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, give us the grace. Give us the understanding to, to discern between the word of truth and the lie, the strongholds of the devil. Let us cast down those strongholds. Let us build our future on the word of faith. Let the word of the Lord be quick and powerful in our lives, sharper than a two-edged sword. Give us the obedience so that we can live in the blessing. Lord God, in Jesus' name, bless your people. You have paid for them by your blood. Please remember your holy covenant with your people. And in this place, Lord, sustain their lives. Sustain the house of the Lord. Sustain their homes. Sustain their water, their lights, their power. Lord, sustain their budgets. Sustain their marriages. Sustain their children. And bless them all in every possible way. I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would bless these people, for they have chosen your house on the day of the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. The Lord bless and keep you and lift up his countenance over you, be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus Christ's name, all God's people say. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.